just remember like names and names. And I asked someone what that was and they were like, oh, these are the people who died. And I remember in the dream being like, wait, I'm not in a morgue. Like why, why what's happening here? And then Monday rolled around and nothing happened. I skipped a track meet because I was afraid to go on the bus because I thought the bus was going to fall off an overpass. I was so scared. And it was Tuesday, September 11th. And when it happened, they didn't tell us until at the end of the day, they told us that planes had crashed into the World Trade Center. And again, I didn't know these were the Twin Towers. I didn't know if the World Trade Center really was. But the second that my principal announced it, I was like, oh my God, my dream. Like I just knew right away that that's what it was. You ever wonder what mediums do with their free time? How about a 30-something-year-old gay medium living in New York City? Well, in this podcast, you're about to find out. Welcome to Ghost Daddy, a place where LGBTQ plus spiritual people and our cis-hetero allies, of course, have a place to just be themselves and spread their wisdom. This is the new face of spirituality. None of that love and light, toxic positivity crap. So pour yourself a vodka soda, <laughs> open up your mind, and start listening. You can listen to the Ghost Daddy podcast anywhere where you listen to podcasts. just happened. I'm your host, Liz Enton. If you listen to the intro, you know my story. If not, here's a brief summary. I'm a science skeptic, and when my dad died, I took a shot in the dark and decided to investigate if there was any possible evidence of an afterlife. I assumed that was as realistic as Santa Claus, but I was desperate. However, I was so blown away by what I discovered that I wrote a book and launched this podcast. In this podcast, I will be talking to some fairly normal people about some really weird shit. I speak with everyone from psychic mediums and afterlife researchers to ordinary people who've had some inexplicable experiences. So come, listen, there's no need to draw any final conclusions. Keep an open mind and wonder, what the fuck just happened? Hi everyone, I'm Joe Peretta. I'm a psychic medium based in New York City. It's a little crazy here right now, as you could all imagine. You know, my whole thing is that I talk to dead people. I know that might sound a little crazy for some of you listening. But, or maybe not, maybe some of you are on the same journey Liz is on or has been on for a long time and is more open to it or seeing that there is more to this life than just, you know, the physical and material world. So that's what we do as mediums. We, uh, you know, what I do as a medium, I connect you with that other part of reality that isn't as easily accessed or seen or basically consciousness. So when I first met Joe, he was one of the first people I met. This was about, I guess, four and a half years ago now. Yeah, maybe like even three and a half years ago. I, it feels so long. I could not believe any of this was real, except I kept seeing these weird things that happened. So I just bombarded Joe with questions. One of the things I remember asking Joe early on is, okay, so you say you talk to dead people. One thing I cannot understand, 
where is that consciousness? Like, I know I feel myself physically right here and I know I'm here. Uh, I think part of the reason why that question is hard to answer is because it's not exactly maybe an, I don't want to say not an accurate question, but it's not the right question almost. Like, I understand where you, where you go with it because we live in a physical world and we're always thinking in terms of like, I'm over here, I'm over there, left, right, you know, close, far. I see you, I can't, that kind of thing. Whereas I think once you leave the physical world or don't have a physical body as an anchor into the physical world, it's hard for us to imagine an existence that isn't rooted in concrete, I can touch this, this is here, this is there. In short, I kind of think consciousness is everywhere at all at the same time. Like I know that kind of sounds sort of the word I'm looking for, like this whole like omnipresent God thing. That's not really what I mean. But I don't think consciousness really has so much of a physical place. Like my consciousness, you know, when it leaves my body is going to be over there and then yours will be over here. I, I don't even know how really to explain it because I can't fully wrap my mind around it. But from what I know from all the scientific studies that I've read and all the philosophy books and what spirit has taught me from, from you know, doing readings and just my own meditations and experiences myself with the paranormal because I've had or the spiritual realm, whatever you want to call it consciousness it's very hard to really give it like a physical place even though when people have experiences if they see someone who's passed or they see something that they can't explain they will see it over there or you know uh, i saw a lady walking down the hall in a white dress and you know whatever you hear that a lot from people who've had experiences i saw my grandmother standing in the kitchen that's always where she was standing i think that's to interact with us here in the physical part of existence but as far as like where that consciousness is i sort of think it's all around us or uh, not to get too philosophical and lose everybody, but there is this school of philosophy and thinking uh, idealism where instead of everything being material, it's the complete opposite and everything is mind. So even though like we have a physical world, idealists will, will say, and idealism says that all of that actually is mind and not actually matter. And, and matter stems from mind and not mind stemming from matter, like how our current society and, and you know science and medicine is, is set up. So I'm, I don't know if I 100% believe that, I'm not saying it makes a lot of sense to me, but, you know, there's still a lot of mysteries and things that kind of questions that it leads, you know. And long story short, I don't know if, if that question is even answerable or maybe even the right questions. You know, it's really hard. Liz, I'm sure you've seen this. It's hard to ask the right questions about something you don't even really know about. I don't even know if we have, but if we have the mental capacity to understand completely the questions to ask in one sense, and I mean, I sort of equate that to trying to understand infinity. It has to exist as a concept. We can understand the concept, we can study the Big Bang, but what about a trillions and trillions of years before the Big Bang? We don't have the capacity to, to hold infinity. I sometimes think what the substance of consciousness would be. It's just something we are not anywhere near capable of understanding if we ever fully can. I can factually say, though, that I think so interesting is I've seen you get actual information that you cannot know by normal means. I can say, you know, with Joe, when I first met him, I wouldn't give him any of my information. And none of the other mediums when I'd sign up for readings had any of my real information. Full disclosure, he did know it was me by the time we had our reading, but not in advance. When the reading started, he knew it was me. And he still got factual things that are not Googleable. How many of the people who go get readings with you go in under secret identities. Honestly, I, I think it's not a lot of people, but I probably wouldn't know. Yeah, I've never had anybody say like, oh, by the way, you know, my name's not really Joe, it's Anthony. 
you could just use your first name and change the middle name or use a whole other name. Like you can make anything up and just John Smith, like it doesn't matter. A medium doesn't need to have any, shouldn't have really any information about you. I mean, granted, when people contact me, like they do it through email, so I have their email. And if I were Googling people, I could do it that way. I'm not saying that I do, but if, if you're worried about that, just make, it, make a new email, get a VPN. I did that actually last year, right? I think I told you, Liz, remember? I got a reading with like a, a pretty famous medium, actually. Or I don't know if she's famous, but definitely like well-regarded. And I didn't do it to test her. I did it for my own self just because I know a lot of mediums anyway. The best mediums in the world are a lot of them are my friends. So they know things about me. So it's, you know, it's hard to get like a, like a comprehensive sort of reading rather than just like, is this or that going to happen? Uh, so I did it myself. I downloaded VPN, I protected my identity. I got a, I made a fake email. I used a fake name and the reading was awesome. She told me stuff that happened like six months later that no one could have even known about. She brought up stories that no one knew about in my family. And it was you know, a great experience and it really helped me at the time. So it's, it is a good thing that you did that. Liz. It's not a bad thing at all. I know some people kind of feel bad about it. They're like, oh my God, I'm lying. Listen, this is about you getting our validation. The, the fake name thing, I'm, I'm kind of all for it, but I've never had any, but I don't think some people do it to me, to be honest, I don't. I mean, I don't feel bad about doing it. I think uh, it's do sort of what you need to do. I guess there were a few that I got to be good friends with and then I ended up having a reading and I felt a little awkward. I was like, oh, by the way, it's me. And they were like, Liz, okay. <laughs> like, I mean, they, people kind of expect it. I, I know Joe mentioned Forever Family Foundation. If you haven't heard who they are, that's one of the places I started volunteering with early on to study you know, survival of consciousness and if there's any way we could survive bodily death. And they're a foundation that tests mediums using all this science-based testing. And they have a bunch of scientists that research mediums and researchers, professors on their board. So if you're skeptical the way I am and the way the founders originally were, they're a great place to check out. Yeah, it's a definitely a good place to start for sure. You know, I think one of the reasons Joe and I have become good friends, aside from the fact we're the same age, you know, most people tend to be older in this world. And we met through Forever Family and being among the younger ones, we're always the ones that like don't want to go to bed at all the events and are like the ones I'm still drunk at like two in the morning. That being said, also I think another reason is we're both really skeptical, logical people. And I know Joe, from our talking, you have questioned your abilities. I mean, this doesn't make sense, really. It's kind of weird. So what have been some of the things that I guess talk a little bit about some of your questioning and then some of the things that have made you comfortable again that it really is true because neither of us like belief we both like facts. Right. so I'm not a belief person even though i have well it's kind of a two-part answer so i'll start from the beginning i've always had you know psychic abilities and uh, mediumistic stuff happen to me like since i'm a kid it's in my family but i'm like the only one who ever really questioned so i went back and forth like i, I had a sort of period in my life when i was younger where a lot happened to me i dreamt about 9-11 like all these things like really really specific dream about 9-11 the weekend before it happened. Wait, you have to tell the specifics of it. Okay. So when I, you know, I grew up hearing about my family having dreams, or I think this is going to happen. So I wasn't completely unfamiliar with psychic ability and, and things like that as a kid. And I think, Liz, we were what, like 11 when 9-11 when happened, like 10 or 11? Born in 89, so whatever it was, it was like 11 or 12. It was, 9-11 happened on a Tuesday, so this was like Saturday. It was either Friday or Saturday night. I don't remember which night it was. I was out with my friends, and I'm doing whatever 11-year-olds do, ice cream or something. I don't know. I, was, I wasn't bad just yet, <laughs> a couple of years later. And I, uh, I went home, and I had this dream that I was uh, in the car with my mom, and we were like leaving. I think we were leaving like a baby shower. It was the weirdest dream. 
uh, it started out meaningless. I was in the passenger seat, obviously, because I was 11 or 12 and I didn't drive yet. And my mom was driving on this bridge in the car and I was looking out the window. And as I'm looking out the window, there was a low flying plane flying perpendicular to the car at the same altitude as the bridge. And it was a shadow. I didn't really see the plane. I just saw like a shadow outline of it. And then as we were driving, the shadow of the plane merged with the shadow of, of a building. And when shadows meet, they just kind of morph, you know, and, and there was like this loud bang or boom far off in the distance. And then all of a sudden, I was in the car still and we were flying through the air. The car was flipping in the air. I sort of went from first person point of view to third and I was watching the car flip. And in the sky, there was this big calendar and it was flipping through the days of the year in 2001. And it landed on a Tuesday. And like that moment, I think the top of the car had been ripped off. Like it was just kind of like, it was almost like I was in a convertible, but I knew it was not. And I remember in the dream watching myself turn to my mom from like a third person point of view. And I was like, mom, this calendar's wrong. I was like, next week starts on Monday, not on Tuesday. I was like, why is this calendar starting next week on Tuesday? It was really confusing because like that's where the calendar stopped. And then all of a sudden I like kind of zoomed out and as the car fell, I could see the sky red and had like black smoke and I fell into a pile of rubble and I remember seeing the Chrysler building but I didn't know it was the Chrysler building at the time because I was an 11 year old from Long Island so I really didn't know the city skyline like to be honest I didn't know what the World Trade Center was so I woke up from the dream and I was convinced that the dream meant that my mom was gonna fall off like an overpass in her car and die like I was so paranoid about it to the point where that weekend my mom was supposed to go out to a family friend's house and I, I forced her to stay home and my mother made my aunt come over because she was like, well, this kid's driving me crazy. I gotta, like, <laughs> I gotta see an adult. She was pissed off because I ruined her weekend plans. I, I was like, I had some anxiety as a kid, but I never, this was the one time I made my mom stay home. I was crying, pleading, mom, please don't leave to the point where just to keep me sane, my mother stayed home. Whenever my aunt came over, I told her about the dream and she was like, oh, you're not. <laughs> no one believed me. No one was listening. And then the next night I had a dream that I got trapped in an elevator and they had to pull me out. And again, the dream shifted from first person to third person because as I was in the elevator, like I was in my own body and then I was outside of it and I was watching them pull me through this whole wall. And there was like a bunch of people in suits and like with cameras taking pictures, like watching like the rescue. And on the side of the wall to the right, it was almost like in a movie when they want you to pay attention to something in the background that the main character doesn't see. So kind of like, my dream focus like panned to the right and on the wall was a golden circle with a star in it etched into like this beautiful mahogany wall. Like it was a really fancy hallway that they were like pulling me out of this, you know, into from the elevator. And then I went in the basement and there was all these rooms with computers. There was people working in them and they had like long lists of names that were like in the rooms. I don't remember if they were on paper or they were in the computer. I just remember like names and names. And I asked them what that was and they were like, oh, these are the people who died. And I remember in the dream being like, wait, I'm not in a morgue. Like, why, why? what's happening here? And then Monday rolled around and nothing happened. I skipped a track meet because I was afraid to go on the bus because I thought the bus was going to fall off an overpass. I was so scared. And it was Tuesday, September 11th. And when it happened, they didn't tell us until at the end of the day, they told us that planes had crashed into the World Trade Center. And again, I didn't know these were the Twin Towers. I didn't know if the World Trade Center really was. But the second that my principal announced it. I was like, oh my God, my dream. Like, I just knew right away that that's what it was. Mom picked me up and she was crying. I was like, mom, what happened? She told me what happened. I was like, mom, my dream. And I felt bad for my mother because like, what do you do with a kid who predicted thousands of people dying? Like, I had it so well documented. I told everyone around me. It wasn't like I was an after the fact thing. And 
everyone, my father, my mother, my aunt, all my friends, everybody knew about it because I couldn't shut up. I was so scared. And what I remember the craziest part of that day was when I walked in the house uh, on the, my dad was watching it on TV and my dream was on the television. On the, on the TV screen, when I walked in, the, what was on the news was the skyline. And I think I saw like the Chrysler building or the Empire State Building on the television when I walked in. And it was an exact snapshot for my dream. And when I came around the door, the TV was right there. And I like looked and I was like, Mom, that's my dream. And my poor mother was just like, she didn't know what to say. Because what do you say to like an 11-year-old who has that experience? I mean, it wasn't, thankfully, no one told me I was crazy. Because that is so batshit. And I have to bring up one thing here too. Not only is it crazy that you knew it, but that you knew it in advance, which just, you know, I know we talk a lot about time and this just makes you really question the nature of time. And one of my favorite things, and I know Joe, we've talked about it quite a bit, is the Global Consciousness Project. So cool. So cool. And it ties into 9-11. So the Global Consciousness Project, it's this project started through Princeton University originally by someone called Dr. Roger Nelson. I'll put a link to it in the show notes. To summarize, there are these things called random number generators, and they're essentially a digital version of a coin flip. And the theory is you're going to get heads 50% of times and tails 50% of the time. So there are some that aren't fully random. They run on like a random program or something. Do you ever read about this? And then the, the ones that they use are like actually random. I think they use The like- ones that's, they're actually, they're done, programmed these machines to be completely random. They use zeros and ones and it's the theory is it and works the way heads or tails where you're going to get ones 50% of the time and zeros 50% of the time letting the machine run. But then they did experiments with people's thoughts and they tried to have them focus on the machine and see if they could have it get, you know, say not ones a significant amount of time. And what they noticed was, I mean, not drastically, but it started to show ones a significant amount of time over zeros, no longer 50-50 random. Then they started placing these around the world and they noticed just having them around that without focus on them, the zero ones random pattern. However, on huge world events such as 9-11, the data stopped coming in randomly and it started to behave non-randomly showing a significant amounts of, I don't know if one number over the other, but just the data pattern on what these random number generators were getting changed. One of those was 9-11. This has been a while that they've done these. So another was like when Princess Diana passed away. And what's absolutely crazy is in both those events, and the data started to change up to a few hours before the events happened. I mean, I wish I could explain why and something I hope to examine further. And Joe, I mean, the fact that you had those dreams, I mean, that's just crazy. I have to ask, what did your friends say? Thankfully, my friends knew that I was like, because I'd always had an interest in this stuff, just because, again, like my family was always interested in We grew up mm-hmm. in a generation where like Hocus Pocus, like the craft and practical magics, like witches were like, all of our childhood. So I was super interested. But my friends knew I like was interested in that stuff. And But I remember going back to school that morning, uh, Wednesday morning, and my friends, I don't remember exactly what they said because I was like beside myself for days after that because I was just like, what am I? Like, like, what, like what is this? What am I? How am I connected to it? It was just such a personal, weird, life-changing moment. I think about it all the time. But I remember my friends being like, oh my God, like, you said that was like something was going to happen and too bad happened. 
And I was like, I know, I don't know what to say, but honestly, like, I don't think my friends really, we were, we were young enough to still like, kind of like believe in magic. It didn't register as like surreal or amazing, like how it would if it happened now. Like, I, I remember one of them being like, oh my God, this is, you know, you, you dreamt this. And I was like, I know, shut up. Like, don't, like, <laughs> just, like, don't tell anybody. It's like, I didn't know, I didn't know what to do with it. And like, that's not the only time that's happened. I've had that happen so many more times. But going back to, you know, my, my whole journey with like being skeptical and the not being skeptical again, that solidified it for me that there was, um, I had some connection to something greater. Because even when that happened, there was this feeling of what they told me. Like that I plugged into like them or something bigger. And I... I what is them? I don't know. I can't even explain it. It was just a feeling that like this came from somewhere else, not from just me. That that someone or something had shown it to me or that I was allowed. It, I felt very connected to everything, like humanity, the universe. When it, Even as a kid, and I couldn't verbalize that, but now I understand it more. When I was a kid too, when I was really young, like seven or eight, my grandmother had passed away and I saw her like one night I was crying for her and I looked up from my mom's shoulder and like, my grandmother was sitting on the back of a chair. And she was like, it was like she was made of like this really soft light and it made me feel better and I never cried for her again. So anyway, so like that all happened. And then I was a teenager and I was kind of scared of it because like every time I dreamt about something or something happened, it was like a tragic event. So I pushed it away. I like, I, I wasn't big into like religion or anything, but I did pray. And I was like, God, if, if you're really there, I was like, can you take this away? Like, I can't do this anymore. And then it went away for a while. I think I shut it off. And then it started to come differently. Instead of in dreams, it would happen. Like I would just know things. Or, so I'd always had like the psychic part of it. And then when I graduated college, I moved home because I went to school for music. So I obviously didn't get a job right after college. So I moved back with my parents. I started meditating and stuff because I was just home all day, like doing nothing. So I was meditating, I was doing yoga. And I bought this ebook series. It's like a psychic development ebook series. And I bought it just to see how far I could take it because I always read tower cards like for fun and stuff. I had had this, I guess I should tell this part of the story too, because this is another like super evidential piece of the puzzle. Right before I started, I decided to do this. I, I bought this ebook series and I was like, all right, let me just like screw around, like see if I really have this ability or if it's just been me making it up this whole time. So I bought this ebook series and I'll never forget it. The day that I bought it, I took a nap. I had just moved back. It was just my mattress on the floor. Like I didn't have like a bed. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Whatever. I didn't have like an actual bed. It was just a mattress on the floor. I ha had this dream that I was stuck inside of an emerald and I was looking out and there was this guy holding it. It was like I'd been like shrunk down. And this guy was holding it and he had like a long beard. He looked like Merlin, like that, like old wizard type. And he was laughing at me. And I was so disturbed and scared because I was stuck in this gem. And I was like, oh my God, I'm never going to get out. And like, he was laughing at me as if, oh my God, like, what are you even scared of? That, like, you know, like a superior sort of intelligence kind of thing. And I was just like, oh my God, like this guy's so mean. He's laughing at me. You know what I mean? Like, I was just really upset. And then I woke up and I was in a sweat. And I was like, I'm going to call that guy the alchemist. Like I, I came out of nowhere. And I knew that the dream meant something because it just felt so real. And I was like, why is this dick laughing at me? Like, <laughs> like I like knew it was real. It was so weird. So then I got my ebook series and there was five books and, and the author suggested to take six weeks for each. So I had kind of like filed that in the back of my mind. And then when you finally get to book three, so this was like three months later, it teaches you how to channel your guides. So I was like, all right, you know, here we go. And I... It was weird. Once I started doing this psychic development series, like I was meditating a lot and I did notice feeling very more, much more perceptive and randomly people that didn't even know that I didn't know that they knew I had tarot cards were asking for readings. I never talked about it with them and they were like, do you still have your cards? And I was just like, who the hell told you I had tarot cards? How do they even know this? It's so weird. I wasn't doing it at all for anyone. 
And then just everyone like came out of the woodwork. I took that as kind of like a sign too, but I started to channel my guides. I got this book to write down what they would tell me and because I had to test them. So I was like, if they're really there, they're going to be able to tell me stuff that I wouldn't know in advance. And then I'll write it down. So they told me stuff, that, and a lot of it ended up happening. But one of the things that happened was... Wait, wait, can I ask you, I'm interrupting, sorry. When you say they tell you, is that like in a dream? I, I don't even know how to explain it. In the beginning, it was, I could only do it during meditation, and I would like kind of like see them in my mind's eye, and then they would give me messages. Approximately 185,000 murder cases went unsolved from 1980 to 2019. On average, 66% of homicides are solved each year. So what about the other 34%? Alarmingly, the number of murder cases that went unsolved by police hit a new high in 2020, resulting in only 50% of cases being solved, leaving far too many families with no answers, no resolution, no closure. That's why we investigate and report on unsolved cases, to spread the word in hopes of helping families who are searching for answers. We don't sleep, we're just actively looking for her. These girls were alive, they were living, breathing people, they weren't a picture in the media. There was a, a body found in a truck recently. None of us know anything about that body, who, who was it, what happened. What could have happened? Who could have been involved? There's no answer. And, and it's just horrible. A true crime series investigating mysterious unsolved cases. Real people, real stories, real crimes. Tune into Speaking of Crime with your hosts, Gia and John. Available on Apple, Spotify, or wherever else you listen to podcasts. We are at Speaking of Crime on Instagram and Facebook, and at Crime Speaking on Twitter. But to know that I wasn't making it up, I wrote it down and tested them. To also to learn what it felt like, because your own mind in the beginning, it's very subtle. You don't know whether you're making it up or whether you're getting it. So to tell the difference, I would write down what they said and how it felt when they said it. And it would help me to which thoughts to listen to and which not to. And it, it's like trial and error. It's, I, there's, it's like kind of in your own, it happens in your own mind. Like I'm not hearing a voice from like above me that sounds like it's from like a megaphone. When I started meditating, I, I like was meditating and I met my guides that I still have. And then there was one and it was the alchemist. And he was, he was like, you know, I help you to, to like, I come to people when they need me. I'm no, he said he was like, no one's like permanent guide. And he goes to different people when they're like waking up or when they're learning how to listen to like the universe. And basically what I was doing, becoming more spiritual and tuned in and anyone who's doing anything like getting your consciousness on like a higher level and just learning how to read the symbolism of the universe or, you know, whatever it is, this whole spiritual path. So when I needed help with it, I would like ask him. And then that went on for a few months. And then I booked a reading with this woman who I wanted to take lessons from because my guides had told me that I was medium and I didn't believe it. And they said to me in May, you're going to have a very ex special experience and it's going to have to do with you becoming a medium. I was like, okay. So this was in like April. I wrote it down. And so I found this woman who taught lessons and I approached her because she kept she came up in a couple of different ways from different people. So I was like, all right, I have to. Before she'll take you as a student, she asked you to do a reading. And at first I was like, oh, she's just like trying to get money out of me. But 
I don't think so. Like I know her now and it's not the way she works. She just wanted to see if we were worthy of her teaching. <laughs> it's kind of how she is. So she did this reading and she does like a little bit of astrology and then she'll like channel information. So she asks you to give her a reading? She asks you to book like a reading with her, which I get, like you're in her house, whatever. So she read me at this store that I found her in and I only was going for one reason. I wanted her to prove that my guides were there for real and tell me something that they told me or something that no one could have known about so I would know it was really them. So I asked them, I said, could you in this reading give me irrefutable proof that you guys are really here and I'm not making you up? Literally, the second thing out of this woman's mouth was, have you ever read the book The Alchemist? After I had named my guide The Alchemist, like that's what I felt like I had to call him from that dream, then he was there as my guide. When I had that dream, I didn't even consider him a guide. Like I didn't even know what those were. So I was like, I cannot believe this lady. There, would, there was no better validation that she could have given me than... The, the name of one of my guides. So the crazier part, it, this is like a two-parter. So the book is called The Alchemist. I had never heard of it in my life. I'm sure everyone I knows. love that book. One of my favorite books of all time. It changed my entire life. The way that I perceived him before I knew about the book was exactly how he was. his purpose was in the book. He was a guide to the main character. He helped him in the book's words, like listen to the voice of the world to read signs that the universe, like it's all about like tuning into the universe and your heart and learning what your personal legend, as the book puts it, or your gifts are. And that's exactly what in my meditation, the alchemist taught me. And I didn't know, by the way, either the whole emerald thing. An emerald tablet is huge in alchemy. It's basically like the alchemist 10 commandments. Their creed is written on an emerald tablet. And I didn't know that either when I had the dream. So like a lot lined up. And then when I read the book, I, was, I read it in one day and I was just like, oh my God, The Alchemist is real. So then I went on to read about how the book was written. And the author, Paolo Coelho, said that he wrote that book the fastest. He wrote it in one draft and they accepted it and it was written and it was like the easiest book for him to write ever. And I was like, oh my God, it's because it was like a channeled, like, <laughs> like didn't even realize it was, you know what I mean? Like, you know, that, that entity is, is a thing. You know, The Alchemist is one way to talk about him. So that really was what pushed me forward. And then in May, long story short, I met one of the other Forever Family mediums, Kim Russo. And she asked me to do a reading at this dinner that we were both at. And I read her and it was like super accurate and spot on. And I was like, is this lady lying to me? And then it just went from there. And I did reading after reading after reading. So I didn't question for a long time. And then last year, I kind of had like a moment where I was like, oh my God. I had never really done a lot of the science reading of all of it. I had only read like little things here and there. So I started to do that and it kind of got me panicked a little bit. I'm, you were raised believing that there's nothing. So I was raised, if Einstein or Stephen Hawking don't believe, believe it, then it's not true. And that consciousness is a function of the brain. So when I first started reading, I, I wasn't helping at first because I was kind of seeing all the criticism of what I do. And I was like, oh my God, am I like a crazy person? Like, like I was like really not to, you know, you know, uh, say anything bad about people who are, have struggled with delusions. You know, I, I went from thinking I was this rational person to who just had control over these experiences to being like, oh my God, I'm completely out of touch with reality. And like, I think I'm doing one thing that I'm not. And then I was reading a lot of the skeptical stuff. It got me afraid that the stuff I was saying wasn't specific enough. Meanwhile, I'm bringing up people's like names and birthdays, like just like crazy stuff is coming up during readings. Joe has shared with me after giving some readings insane specific stuff like a detailed description of something that was given by someone's grandmother that was sitting on their dresser not a cliche grandmother thing like it's not he's not like it was a teacup you know i mean it, it's it does come through sometimes sometimes those are things that people have 
But even the other day, like I was doing a reading for this woman and her mom came through and she kept just showing me a pink box. And I was like, I don't know what this is. So I told her, I said, your mother keeps showing me this pink box and she said it's important. Like, it's, I don't know what this is. And she was like, oh my God. She was like, my daughter made me a pink ceramic box and it's her favorite thing that she gave me. I thought it was alive. But her mom never got to meet her and had just given me her name uh, and like how the daughter is an artist. I was like, see, your mother knows your daughter. And I was like, and then she showed me a pink box. And it was, it's just like an extra validation. We're talking about your daughter. Your mother said she knows her. She brought up a pink box. That daughter made up. There's just so many, that's just one example. But so I was like freaking out about that. And then I started to come around a little bit feeling better about it because I was honestly, the whole time my guides kept telling me, think of your own experiences. So I was like, okay, like I, I had to sit for a second and like logically look at my psychic experiences. Because skeptics will just say, oh, well, it's coincidence. And I was like, I have had so many very accurate predictions happen, not even just doing readings, but when I was younger, with the 9-11 thing with people who died, there have been so many. And I was like, if that's just chance, then I am the lucky, luckiest person on the planet because of how accurate I've been by it, like accidentally. So when I thought of it that way, I was like, it's illogical not to make some kind of connection with the word I'm looking for. Like, it's not an arbitrary thing. There's some kind of force or something, you know, there's some kind of reason behind this. That kind of sort of helped me a little bit. But honestly, one of the books that I read that really, really helped, and I, Liz, I think I made you read it too, The Flip. Yes. It's, the, I forget, is it Jeffrey Cripple or the other guy? I think it's Jeffrey Cripple. I will also put it in the show notes. He's like a, I'm not a, um, he's an acad, like in academia, but he studies like religion, like a theosophy or that's what his specialty is. But he basically compiled this book and like the first half of it is all these really smart Nobel Prize winners and like all these really intelligent people that you never knew were super into the paranormal and had experiences and were believers in it, not just because of their own experiences, but because of the knowledge that they had of physics or of some other science coupled with seeing it actually happening in front of them. I think he talked about how Marie Curie was, she was like going to seances and stuff. She was like really big into getting readings. It kind of takes the stigma out of it. Because I know like, I, Liz, I feel like you've done this and I've done it too. We look at these people who are Stephen Hawking, Albert Einstein. or That book helped a lot actually because it made me feel better. I was like, you know what? These people are smarter than I am. I mean, I, I don't think I'm stupid. I think I'm actually pretty smart. But these people, like the woman discovered like radiation. Marie Curie, you know, like, hello. Uh, radioactive material and here we are you know she here she is at seances and and somebody like that I mean I'm not saying that just because you're book smart means that you're street smart and smart with people but when you read even about Claude Swanson or other physicists who are like nope there's definitely more you have to sort of take a step back and be like that person can't be that dumb if this is what they do and they still see it and then when you go to the other side of the, the physicists and the scientists who are so against it if you read their reasons a lot of the time, their reasoning, there isn't, I'm not saying that they don't have a good reason for not believing, but most of the time it's very shallow or it's very just like, oh, well, it can't be possible, so it's not. I remember sending you an article, Liz, last year. I don't know if you remember, it was like in the Skeptical Inquirer or something, and they were ripping apart a book or a study, and they were like, well, we actually didn't read it, but here's the reasons why it's not true. <laughs> like, you didn't read it, but you're giving me 15 reasons that a physicist said, yeah, this isn't true. That's so lazy. Don't comment on things you haven't looked at. Within reason, like, I don't need to read every article about why, like, abortion would be bad or Donald Trump's a good president. There's some stuff I know is a flaming pile of bullshit. And I know abortion's fine for people to choose, and Donald Trump's the biggest asshole in the world. <laughs> so I don't need to read every single thing. But within logic, if someone is saying, 
and multiple people start to say, this is happening, this is happening. Even just looking, exactly. And it's like a lot of people in academia or in the, in the science world don't even want to entertain it. And most people don't, you know, when I talk to people who are skeptical, I'm like, you do realize that there's over a hundred years of actual scientific research in this field, right? Never heard of that. Well, of course you never heard of it because it's it's not talked about. Like it's not a mainstream thing. It's, it's taboo. You know, we're dealing with a subject that's very taboo. But the reason why I bring it up is because you have to remember that we're still people, like even though scientists might want you to believe that science is just all reason and it's objective, it's certainly not. Science is, but the people practicing it aren't. You have to look at the people doing it. And if you look at like the culture in science, and even if you take Rupert Sheldrake, for instance, right? He's a biologist, brilliant, brilliant guy, pushes all the time for more investigation into psi-related um, phenomena. And, and he doesn't do a lot with mediums, but he's definitely like all for research. Psi, which is forms of psychic... Right. And things such as a mind's ability to move objects. Science nature, like with he did experiments with like baby chicks and stuff and the, their mental capacity to manipulate like a robotic mom. But anyway, this poor guy is has been under so much attack from the skeptical community and they won't even on his Wikipedia page, I don't even know if it's there now, but they literally had him they wouldn't even put that he was a biologist. They just called him like a pseudoscientist and a quack. And I think he had to fight to get called a former biologist, but he's not even a former biologist. He is a, like, this is what I mean by when you look at the, at how the opposition is, the point that I'm bringing it up is because it will make you feel better if you are struggling with being curious about it or taking comfort in the thought that even this might be, a, you know, even if you think it has a 10% possibility of being real and you find comfort in that thought, it's okay to feel that. They don't really give it a fair look. There's so much research out there that gets buried and buried and buried for years and years and years. And it's there and you just aren't, it's like you're almost not allowed. Well, I mean, scientists, I think they're absolutely some of the most brilliant people. There's a lot of nonsense going around right now to disregard science. They're geniuses at science. There's just things they have not examined. And that doesn't mean don't defer to them when it comes to medicine. Right, like trust it for what it's good for. And it's not that it can't be good for this. There are three types of studies within this paranormal, for lack of a better word, world. And one is a man called Dr. Ian Stevenson, who is a child psychiatrist. He has passed away, but he investigates kids with past life memories. Oh, it's so interesting. One of the other studies, I believe, involves the random number generators that I was talking about. I forget what all of them are, but there are three phenomena, including the work of Dr. Ian Stevenson, that Carl Sagan brought up. And he said, I forget the exact quote, but his general point was that all of these are worthy of further study. Right. Well, Carl Sagan understandably does not believe that it proves, and you know, for example, he does not think Ian Stevenson's work proves that kids are truly having past life memories, which, nor should you jump quickly to that conclusion. I'm still not positive what I think exactly, but he said that from everything he had read, he was pretty astounded and thought it was worthy of further investigation. And I think that's all we're saying that a lot of these scientists should say, just that some of this, there's plenty of nonsense out there, but there really is a subset that Joe has worked with, which we're going to get to in a little bit, that really are worthy of just looking at and curiosity. Right. And, uh, you know, it, it, 
I think that's really why this podcast is like so good because I think if it's spreading awareness about the, the really good work that people have done, we'll call it that consciousness studies or studying consciousness because I think mediumship, survival of consciousness, sci, it's all under that umbrella for now as we can best understand it. And I think a lot of people need to know that there's like people who are really serious who aren't woo-woo and, and telling you to like put this yoni egg in, like run around and it's going to like your hands or like. There are some people who are kind of making a mockery of this very like, inexplicable stuff that keeps happening. And profound, what it should be. And Joe, back to your changing your skepticism. I remember one of the things when you started, you know, you were questioning if you just were basically losing your mind, had made this all up, or just giving general information that would be accurate to many people like, oh, you've lost a grandmother. That's something called cold reading. Fake mediums will be trained to look at somebody and give them a reading based on what would apply depending on their age. You know, like an 80-year-old probably has lost both their parents and has most likely lost a sibling and lots of friends. So they would give information like that, although much more trained. And that's called cold reading. And what I do think has happened with some early, I guess I want to say early stage, with some people who might open-mindedly believe all of this without necessarily really being skeptical is they sometimes find themselves as having had abilities and then they will give general information not consciously knowing they are but just things you can logically deduce right and define it as psychic or mediumship and then of course they're correct and i guess i remember joe you were afraid that that was what you were doing even though i knew like i know the things that i told people i couldn't know but you still, you know, when you're in that kind of like state, you're like, oh my God, you know, like you're not really thinking rationally, you know? No, I think that actually is a very rational thing to question. I mean, you're doing something that doesn't make sense, but it keeps happening. Right. So I think that was a very rational thing to go through. But of course you had a lot of emotions attached because it's yeah. your life, your career, your sanity. A lot of risk. But, but what I remember was during that time, you kept giving people readings and just getting such phenomenal information i don't even remember that's how i was so crazy you guys like i was so into- you don't remember like some of the stuff you would text me and you were like liz i'm starting to feel better i got this i'll share the janet havoc one because that one's really good so janet havoc is another certified forever family medium who i have had a couple of different connections with before i even met her which was really kind of cool but she's a spiritualist um, she used to be a nun and, uh, i think a catholic nun right janet? a catholic nun i think that's the only kind of nun i don't there's like there's um Oh yeah, I guess, I don't know. She was a nun and she is now a medium and she has a spiritualist church out in New Jersey. And, and spiritualism is like the religious version of mediumship. Mm-hmm. I'm going to clarify, I'm an atheist. Like I don't approach this at all from a religious perspective, but I think using the definition of spiritualism and religion is the way a lot of people feel comfortable coming to this. And again, a lot of this involves grieving people in death. You know, every people want to feel comfortable in their mindset. Right. So she has a um, spiritualist church and I only know about it because I know Janet and she was um, raising money for this like other location that they had built to be like, uh, they bought it and they were restoring it. I knew about it because I saw the GoFundMe on Facebook and for like months she had been raising money. And randomly I'm in this group reading. I only know the name of one person whose house it was that I was going to and she had nine other people there. So I literally don't even know these people's names who I'm reading. There's no way I could have Googled them. I don't even know their first names. They're just people who showed up to someone else's house who I've never met. So I'm reading this one woman and I don't know if she was there with her wife or it was just a friend. I can't remember. And her mom came through and she showed me Janet. This woman's mom has passed away. 
So she comes through and in the reading, and I'm reading her in front of everyone, and, and her mom showed me in my mind Janet Nohavik's GoFundMe page for her, uh, the, I think the church's name is The Journey Within. So I look at it, and I was like, um, I know this is going to sound crazy to you. I was like, but your mother's showing me my medium friend's donation page for her, her project at her spiritualist church upstate. So she like looked at me, and her eyes popped out of her head, and she was like, is it called The Journey Within? Yeah, <laughs> that's what it's called. She was like, after my mom died, I got a reading at that church. She was like, and it was so amazing. And it made me know that my mother was still with me. And I was completely skeptical. So I just donated money a week or two ago to help her out. And I was like, wait, what? Like, it would, there's no way I could have known that. That, that is such an obscure fact like who knows about a spiritual i'm not even a spiritualist like that's not my religion you know what i mean like i don't even know anything about it joe would text me these just incredibly specific things he's like wait i really am getting things he would get first names sometimes he got hints of last names let's say the last name was smith but it wasn't these common last names he would suddenly see a blacksmith and he'd be like why am i getting something like smith he was just getting information like that non-stop and now we're gonna pause for a second for the question of the week This week's listener question was submitted by Lauren G. She asked, what is one book that changed your mind the most about afterlife evidence? That is really hard to say one book. For me, it was really an accumulation of everything and just so much phenomena, so much data, so much evidence. And so many intelligent, logical-minded, scientific people writing books on everything from NDEs to data on mediumship readings. In one sense, I might say the two books by Dr. Jim Tucker, but that was only because they were the first books I found. So I really can't recommend one over all of the others. If you have a question you want me to answer, send it to hello at wtfjusthappened.net and put question of the week in the subject. I know I usually say first names, but if you want to be completely anonymous, let me know. And feel free to reach out anyway, even if you don't have a question. I can't wait to hear your questions and hear from you. Hi, everyone. I'm so excited to share that my book, what the fuck just happened? A sciencey skeptic explores grief, healing, and evidence of an afterlife is available now for sale. If you go to wtfjusthappened.net, you can see the link to buy it. I'll also have the link in the podcast show notes. I know many of you want to know how exactly did I come to change my mind about the afterlife? Well, This book is all about the first stages of my exploration into this afterlife evidence to where I'm at today. It starts with the awful part of when I lost my dad, how as a science-minded atheist, I first began to explore if there was any possibility of an afterlife, and what and who I found most compelling. I also share some stuff that was not so compelling, such as a very clearly fake psychic medium reading and a pretty ridiculous seance. But that's balanced by some amazing peer-reviewed studies on mediums, medium readings, parapsychologists, and just a whole bunch of what the fucks, including some 
really inexplicable personal things that happened to me and some really incredible signs I got from my dad. Despite the topic, it's actually funny, mainly because I'm just like such an awkward person. And you also get to learn about all the amazing people and incredible characters I met along the way, as well as more about the research that helped change my mind. And some of the people you learn about have become some of my really good friends and mentors today. So go to WTFJustHappened.net and order it. If you've already read it, please rate and review on Amazon. I cannot tell you how helpful that is. And share with any friends who might be interested. Thank you all. I'm so excited to finally share the full details of this crazy exploration with all of you. Inspired by David Justus, who died after a nearly two-year battle with glioblastoma, JET, Joyful Experience Team, was founded by his son Oliver Justus and his best friends, River Attard, Leo Gerstein, Jack Gorenstein, and Felix Ward. JET seeks to create joyful experiences for families struggling with brain cancer, a chance to enhance their lives with experiences that are rich in love and will be treasured for all time. We believe, like David did, that life should not be measured in time, but in joyful moments. JET will allow families coping with this painful diagnosis to go to special events and be treated like VIPs. Go to makingheadway.org forward slash JET for a complete list of programs and activities. I'm going to interrupt and cut off episode one of my conversation with Joe Peretta here. Our talk is not over. We'll continue in the next episode. You can learn more about Joe on his website. It's joeperetta.com, which is J-O-E-P-E-R-R-E-T-A. Or follow him on Instagram at Joe Peretta, also with two R's. I will put this information in the show notes. To get more information on what the fuck just happened, go to wtfjusthappened.net. There you can order my book, What the Fuck Just Happened? A Sciency Skeptic Explores Grief, Healing, and Evidence of an Afterlife. And you can learn all about how I came to conclude that there most likely is an afterlife. You can also learn about the early stages of my grief and the amazing, fascinating people I met along the way. You can also read about how much I harassed them trying to get evidence, see if they were cheating, and see if they were sane. There, you can subscribe to our newsletter. If you enjoyed this episode, please rate and review us wherever you get your podcasts. It makes such a difference, especially for a new podcast like this one. And if any of you have had a crazy what the fuck yourself, have any questions, feedback, or just want to say hi, reach out on either Instagram at WTF underscore just underscore happened underscore or email me at 
hello at wtfjusthappened.net. And remember, you don't have to draw any final conclusions as you wonder what the fuck just happened. <laughs>